Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Queer Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Cornejo, a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex therapist, and co-owner of Psychosocial Therapy, a fully virtual group practice in the state of California, where I specialize in queer and BIPOC mental health. And today's guest needs no introduction, and I'm so excited that they're here, uh, but I'm not going to take away the shine. I'm going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves, and uh, we're just going to be talking about their amazing book, All Boys Aren't Blue, which I have read twice, by the way, uh, and I'm just like fangirling right now, but uh, I'm going to keep it together. But anyway, please go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm George M. Johnson, the New York Times bestselling author of All Boys Aren't Blue, um, also, Emmy nominated now for the All Boys Aren't Blue uh, dramatic reading done with uh, Nathan Hill Williams. Um, I'm a writer. I'm an activist. I'm an author, an executive producer, um, and a lover of community. I guess that's the best way. To put yeah, it. <laughs> well, you know what? That, you're like that. You do it all. I've been following you on social media, and I am definitely a big fan. And I'm so happy that you're here. So thank you so much for joining me and for being on uh, this episode of the Queer Magic Podcast. Yes, I'm excited. So, uh, I mean, let's get right into it. Let's talk about the book for folks out there who haven't heard about the book or have heard of it but don't know too much. Can you give us a little bit of background on the book um, and any details you want to share about it? Yeah. Um, so the book is All Boys Aren't Blue. Uh, it's literally a memoir, and I call it a memoir manifesto, but it's a young adult memoir that talks about uh, my life growing up from birth until the age of 21 uh, in Plainfield, New Jersey, with a family that was very queer affirming. Uh, so I grew up with a transgender cousin named Hope. Um, I had uh, queer people throughout my life, queer people throughout my family. Um, I would say my family knew since I was two that I was gonna be queer. I knew around the age of five that I was different. And so it also talks about the journey of discovery, the journey of um, trying to figure out who I was and what was going on with me. And so you watch me on this journey as I have a very supportive family, but a very unsupportive society. Mm. And you watch that juxtaposition and how it played mm. a role in my life and how it, you know, shaped the decisions that I made um, as I was trying to figure out what my identity was. Um, and it really leaves you, I mean, it's, it's a story where I went through a lot of trauma and a lot of tragedy um, but I had a lot of triumph as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it shows like a 360 view of what it means to be a total human. Yeah. You know, the, the totality of humanity. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm not just left. I'm not just right. Yeah. Some things are in the middle. And so I think that's what the story is about. Absolutely beautiful. And, you know, I've read it twice. So I'm not going to give any details out for <laughs> folks who are still uh, wanting to read it or thinking about reading it now that you've heard a little background. Uh, but that was one of the things that really stood mm -hmm. out to me that I thought was really special uh, you mentioned queer affirming family, and I know many of us who are uh, part of the queer community don't often have uh, that experience. And so that was something very beautiful that I, I, I read in the book that I appreciated a lot, uh, especially given that some of the uh, stories you shared, I mean, were, were definitely, uh, I would say, traumatic and some that were, uh, you know, very detailed. Right. I mean, it, it, it felt like I was there. Uh, definitely in that in that moment as you were describing some of the things that you experienced. Um, so tell me a little bit more in terms of your process for this book, because like I said, it's very personal. 
I mean, there's a lot in there. Uh, I mean, was there any prep work? Was there anything that you did during this process or, or challenges that you found in, in show, I mean, showing this part of yourself to the world? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I had been a journalist for many years, so um, I knew how to write an article. Um, I really didn't know the mechanics of writing a book. <laughs> um, and so it, it took us a while to get there. Um, I guess, like, the process realistically early on was like, well, what stories do I tell? Mm-hmm. Because it's just so many and you start to kind of like rack your brain, rack your brain and you're like, okay, well, I could talk about this or I could tell this one or I could talk about this incident or this thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, well, what really needs to go into the book? How do I shape this book? How do I tell, you know, my life story in 300 pages, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was tough because I have tons of stories, right? Like, I have two memoirs out, right? Like, I have so many stories just about family things and things that have happened. And so, with All Boys Aren't Blue, it was like, I had to really focus on, like, what is the message that I want people to leave Mm. with when they are done with this book? Um, You know, but that's also, like, why you have great editors who help you to shape the things that you're doing and help you to kind of craft the messaging um, in a way that is very different from article writing. Because in an article, it's like, I have 800 words or 1,000 mm-hmm. words. And it's like, okay, cool. I know I have to be, like, succinct mm-hmm. and snappy and, you know, witty and quick. Yeah. But in a book, when you have sixty or 70,000 words, it's like, I need full detail. I need you to go to that place. I need you to dig deep. I need you to end, you know, that was a lot different for me. So um, it was a great experience. Overall, but um, yeah, it was a lot of crying. It was a lot of things like to really have to go to that place sometimes to like put these words on a page and a lot of fear. Like, like, is the world going to reject me or is the world going to accept me or um, will they say I went too far? Will some people say I didn't go far enough? Like, you just don't know, right? Like, because everything is so subjective. And so, um, like I said, a lot of the prep work was prayer and mm-hmm. um you know, being in solitude and, um, yeah, just making a decision to just try and put it all out there. Wow. It definitely sounds like a very intense personal process. And I, I heard uh, you mentioned crying and also having to, you know, work with a lot of other folks as well to get this going. Uh, I mean, it definitely sounds like it's a, a, a long and very personal journey. And, and you, you even mentioned right now around how folks would kind of take this right or how they would see it and uh, I, I mean for those folks out there who know about you and your book obviously there's been a lot of uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, pushback yes. and just <laughs> so much right around it and, and I wanted to see if you could maybe share a little bit about your experience I mean what are you seeing out there what, what are you aware of in terms of your book being out in the world and also how do you handle that um, you know when you see these kinds of things and folks that are pushing back Yeah, you know, the experience is interesting. I will say the good has always outweighed the bad. Um, I have seen more positive messages and I've seen negative messages. Um, And that those positive messages a lot of times are coming from young adults. And Mm -hmm. so I know I did something right. And I know I did something that that was necessary for them, despite society or Mm -hmm. a few parents feeling like this book is inappropriate for teenagers while teenagers are saying, this is the book that saved my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, that also kind of gives you some insight into the fact that these certain parents do not care about 
mm-hmm. certain lives. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because if a person told you this book saved my life and you're still trying to remove it, you literally do not care about that person's life. Um, and so it's been an interesting journey. Um, I've been fighting against book bans, or I guess for those who don't know, they've been banning books in the United States mm-hmm. like um, they did in uh, Nazi uh, Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, which is usually your first sign of fascism when they try to go at education to uh, restrict what people can learn. And so, uh, yeah, last two years we've been fighting against book bans, and my book is the second most banned book in the United States, which Mm. makes me the most banned black author in the United States. Mm. Um, And so it's been a journey. It's been a tough journey. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm built for this. Um, My ancestors had to go through this as well. Um. Yeah, and so it's just like this is if this is if this is what uh my purpose is, then this is what my purpose is, and yeah. so I just continue to fight against it. Yeah, and thank you so much for refocusing that and, and mentioning about the positive <coughs> and the good messages. Uh, you know, I think it, sometimes we do get lost right in all the negativity and all the stuff that's thrown at us. Uh, and you're absolutely right. There are so many folks out there like me and many others who really not just enjoyed reading the book, but also felt really connected to it. Uh, You know, for me, I I definitely found a lot of connections in the stories that you shared. uh, And it even inspired me to think about my own story and uh, possibly even write a book, which is why I was asking about your book. And I was like, (laughs) "Ah," like, I kind of imagined like it would be this intense, uh, you know, project and uh, a lot going into it. Um, You know, and, and I also love that you were sharing about how, book banning. I mean, these are things that are happening now, right? I mean, it's 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 intense. It's insane, right? That we're seeing these things just history repeat itself in, in so many different ways. And especially when it comes to marginalized folks, you know, and right now the queer community, uh, especially non-binary and trans folks and having to deal with a lot of political backlash. And yes. I mean, and this shit isn't just opinions, right? I mean, it, no. all, it obviously impacts our lives, right? Day to day. Uh, and so, you know, you wrote this book, it's out there. You just mentioned, you know, the second most banned book in the country and uh, you fighting for it. What, what, when you say you're fighting these bands, what does that kind of look like? And uh, I mean, because sounds like a lot of energy, right? Having a, I mean, you're fighting the system. Literally. Yes, fighting the system. Um, what does that look like? Um, yeah, I mean, realistically, it's social media. Mm. is one of our fights. So mm-hmm. I am literally on social media, um, which I need to start making more TikToks. So <laughs> shout out to my friend Shaheen. Like <laughs> I'm like, shout out to my friend Shaheen who <laughs> stays on my neck like, you're not on TikTok enough. Like, <laughs> like your voice is needed. So hey, it's a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm coming y'all. But, so part of it is messaging uh, through social media, like letting people know that these book bans are actually happening, letting them know like what their tactics are, letting them know like what is actually going on because a lot of people still just don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it is making sure that we're correcting any of the negative messaging that's going on through social media. Um, I would say a part of it is political now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has now been ingrained in politics as one of the top issues Um not the top issue. I, I think they're pushing it a little bit harder because they want it to be like one of those top four mm-hmm. issues that people think about before they vote. But it's not it hasn't climbed that high yet. Mm-hmm. But it is still a political it's it's a political tool that's being yeah. used. So part of this is political. Um, again, where you see Florida restricting uh, how we teach slavery, 
what mm-hmm. was it that yeah that black folks benefited from slavery oh yeah that the florida thing right yes, we were talking that, about that you know <laughs> DeSantis said well i think the word was like parlayed or something it was very it was just like it was like it was very he made it sound like an internship like an internship <laughs> yeah like he made he made slavery sound like an internship and it was just like okay what in the hell is going on here right and it's like i mean like anytime kamala harris has to like take mm-hmm. book a flight to florida to do like a like to go off like basically to yeah. like are you kidding me like mm-hmm. are we really about to debate slavery now as benefits but that's part of what this is right and so um part of it is political now because mm-hmm. they're trying to literally reshape the way that we teach and my book is a teaching tool my book has history in it it's a history mm-hmm. book as well um and i would say the other part of it is um like civic engagement, which is, uh, and legal, which mm-hmm. is, you know, how we show up as community to fight against these things, which is petitions. Mm-hmm. We've had students walk out after yeah, books were that. banned, like that. especially in Florida after they banned my book. Um, like, you know, my book and several others, 5,000 students walked out mm. um, of the Florida school system to, mm-hmm. to push back against DeSantis and the Don't Say Gay Bill and the book bans. Um I've, I'm a part of a federal lawsuit in Florida um, to fight against the book bans. Um, and I'm working with my team right now to uh, possibly take it up a notch in other areas mm-hmm. against some of these hate groups, because that's what they are, uh, who are trying to ban books and and what have you. Um, so, yeah, those are all of the ways and the angles in which we are fighting. Wow. And that definitely is a, a, a lot. So, I mean, you're definitely... I mean, going for the big fight. And I think that's so crucial and so important, uh, especially given everything you just mentioned. I mean, you're absolutely right uh, when it comes to where we're at right now as a country. And I mean, all of these things, right, are definitely just reinforcements of like white supremacy and and all this other shit, right? And trying to um, ban our stories, right, as folks of color, as queer folks. Uh, And history, I mean, that to me is, is probably the scariest thing is when we don't teach folks the reality of what actually happened and how it's impacted and affected us as a society, we, you know, we're, I mean, we're just living in ignorance, right? And 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 we see that all the time. And, and I think that's what's really frustrating about a lot of these bands is that many of these folks haven't even read the book. And right, I, and I, that's and I, the truth. Yeah, and I saw that. I think there was some interview I was watching and someone had actually asked why they wanted the book banned. And Literally, their only thing was, oh, it's because it was, you know, you're a queer writer. And that yeah. was like their thing. And I was like, okay, have you like actually read it to see like what's in there? Uh, and how there's obviously going to be folks who really do connect with some of these stories and with the themes. I mean, this is the world we live in. And, um, you know, in my work as a therapist and working with 100% queer and BIPOC folks, one of the biggest things that comes up is that none of us can escape any of what's happening because we all live in the same world and we're going to be affected by what's happening. And so it is important for us to be in the know and also to understand uh, ways that we can contribute and support. And so that is my follow-up question for you. I know you you mentioned uh, the fight on your end and what you're doing. Is there anything uh, that you recommend or encourage folks out there who do also want to contribute or support uh, that what they can do as well in terms of fighting against these book bans and, um, you know, just all of these things that are going on? Yeah. um, When you see... A book being banned in your local county, like go to the school board meeting and and fight, you know, Um, 
that's literally how they win sometimes is because they're just the loudest mouth in the room. But uh, we can drown them out when we have large numbers. Um, I think they thought that, you know, oh, if we make our arguments and we read like the worst, the worst sections of the book, you know, or the most salacious sections of the book, mm-hmm. automatically these people who are sitting on these boards will be like, oh, this has to be thrown out. But what we're seeing is they read those parts and then people go up there and read other parts of the book. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, so this book is, you did, oh, so this book is a full book. It's a book. It's, <laughs> it's oh, it's book. not just this paragraph that you keep reading. This is an actual book. But that only happens if people show up. You know, my mom, my Aunt Munch and my Aunt Sarah went to a school board meeting mm-hmm. um, in New Jersey where my book was being banned 20 minutes from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And my mom, my Aunt Sarah, and my Aunt Munch, they read a statement on my behalf, and mm-hmm. the book ended up staying. And wow. so, you know, that's that's really what it's about. Like, it really is important, like, to just show up uh, if you see these bans happening in your community. Um, I think the second thing is when you read the book, sharing testimonials about what the book meant to you or how mm-hmm. impactful the book was or the truth about what the book is. Because a lot of times they're just like, oh, this book is porn. That's what they say. This book is porn. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but you're talking about three passages on page 268, 270, and 272. And mm-hmm. so, mind you, that's towards mm-hmm. the end of the book because the book is only 320 pages. Yeah. What happened before we got to those three mm-hmm. pages that y'all are so concerned about, right? So it's like sharing the truth about these books that are being banned is super important. Um, and I would say the final thing is, um, I think it goes back to messaging, right? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I think people don't don't realize like how strong a statement can be. Like yeah. even just like a shirt that says, I support yeah. banned books, I support, like, People don't realize what that means because if somebody else sees it, they're like, wait, they're banning books, mm-hmm. right? Like, like mm-hmm. so I think people have to start to realize, too, like, the importance of, like, just messaging. I'm a person who, and people who know me, I'm a person who throws on a hoodie that says, mm-hmm. like, the FBI uh, killed um, uh, Fred Hampton, mm-hmm. right? And, like, people see it all the time and they're just like, I killed Fred. But, oh, <laughs> okay, like... All right. Like, you know, like it makes and then people Google right in and then they see and they're like, oh, my God, like I had no idea. I had no idea this story. What What is this? Right. Um, I wear hoodies that say HIV lives matter all the time. Mm-hmm. And usually if I wear that one, like in the airport, yeah. literally somebody is going to walk up to me and be like, I had a cousin in the 90s or I had mm-hmm. an aunt or I had a brother or I had a sister who died in the 90s from yeah. HIV, like, thank you so much. Yeah. Because they'd be like, I think about it every day and I don't even know what to, and I'm just, yeah. just like the messaging, right? And mm-hmm. so that's why I think it's important too, like when you put that messaging on mm-hmm. and out there and you walk around with it boldly and proudly, yeah. it helps. Yeah. It really, really helps. I was going to say, it's like you, you give others permission to also share their story yes. and their experiences. And a lot of this is gaslighting, right, that's occurred for so long where we're often shamed and, uh, you know, stigmatized to not share a lot of these things. And so, uh, you know, I think that's super powerful. You're absolutely right. I, I'm a little bit of the opposite. I, I dress very much, um, you know, gender fluid. And a lot of people often come to me and they'll often share like, Oh my gosh, when I was younger, like I wish I could have expressed myself this way. I wish, you know, this happened to one of my friends. So people see you and they have a connection. And you were talking about words. Words are extremely powerful. Um, And, you know, just going based off that, I'm I'm wondering when was the first time you realized uh, before your book that language and words 
were powerful in that way? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Uh, when was the first time I realized that language and words were powerful in that way? Um, hmm. That's a really good question. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I'm trying, <laughs> trying to think of like a moment from childhood, I guess, like where words meant something to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I think it would have to be, and I, I, I wrote about it in the book. It would have to be, um, I think I was 15 when my history teacher said that he would have been a slave owner. I think that was the first time like where yeah. like a statement like hit me in a way where I was like, wait a minute. Mm. Like, did, did he just like say that to yeah. us, like to the class? Um, because it just was so triggering, mm -hmm. like to be a black student in a school full of uh, mainly white mm -hmm. kids. Um, you know, we were the minority minority. Yeah. Like, like we were like Filipino, Asian, and uh, white were the majority of the population in the school. And then you had like thirty of us who were black. Like literally, wow. like you could count. maybe thirty yeah. of us who were in the school that were black. And so you know, we were the minority minority. Like for real, for real. Wow. And so to sit in a classroom and have a teacher say that they would have been a slave owner, it was like, mm -hmm. okay. And I challenged it. Um, my friend Janet challenged it my friend leanne challenged it because we were only three black students in the class of maybe 25 kids yeah. um but that was the first time like we we were like wow like mm -hmm. okay like words like words mean things and like mm -hmm. that like you just said like why wouldn't you have been an abolitionist right like it was like yeah. the fact that you could just so easily say you knew you would be a slave owner yeah. like that lets me know how you look at me. Mm -hmm. um, and also how they see themselves. How they see themselves. Recognizing their power, <laughs> right. right? And their right. privilege. Like their dominance and their privilege, <laughs> right? And it's like, and there was really nothing we could do about it, you know? And I think that's what sucked. But I think, you know, in writing it, what, what, because <laughs> something happened a couple weeks ago, um, <laughs> I had a DM on Twitter from a white woman in New Jersey. And she said uh, her name. And she's like, hello, I'm so and so. And she was just like, um, you didn't mention a name in the book of who your um, teacher was, mm -hmm. but but was it Mr. Kent? Uh -huh. She was like, if it was Mr. Kent, I am Mr. Kent's niece. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I knew that he taught there. And she was like, just in reading your description of the situation in him, she was like, I feel like it's my uncle and we have totally separate views. She was like, your mm -hmm. book is beautiful. I want you to know you're beautiful. You know, like all these things. But she was just like, I just feel so bad because she was like, as I read it, she was like, I knew it was my uncle who made you all feel that way. And so it's like a very interesting <laughs> thing. But again, I think that goes back to like what the question was, right? Like when words like mm -hmm. impact, right? Because I'm sure like I'm on one end receiving these words from her uncle and then she's on the other end receiving these words from me mm -hmm. and being impacted and like probably connecting dots and like, oh my God, that's yeah. my uncle who mm -hmm. treated these kids like that. And mm -hmm. she was like, he's a, I forgot what she said, but she basically said he was a horrible person. But like, yeah. but she was like, yes, those are his views. She was like, he's yeah. extremely racist. And mm -hmm. yep, mm -hmm. like, and she was like, trust me, Thanksgiving's, used to be interesting yeah. when we would go back and forth about 
certain topics. But, and that, and that's know. not, I mean, that's not a rarity either. No. I've heard from many folks and even some of my clients who are queer and uh, who, who are white who often share very similar stories. I mean, in general, even uh, for me as a Latino, I've heard, I mean, this is shit that's been like passed down and it's part of white supremacy, right? The way that we see black folks and slavery and, uh, and many of us, especially as Latinos who don't even recognize our own history with like colonialism and how that affected us and slavery intertwined with that. I mean, yeah. there's so much and many folks don't actually you know know history so there's a lot to unpack um but wow that is that's such a powerful story and um you know i thank you for sharing that so for those of y'all out there listening remember words are powerful so speak up and speak out, especially with these book bans, especially when folks are trying to suppress our stories and uh, really our, our rights, right, to be able to exist and live in this world just like everyone else. Um, another thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier, and, and I, I caught it in my head and I kept it there, <laughs> and I, you mentioned your mom and your aunt and how they're advocating for you. Yeah. Uh, and I was so curious, like, wh- what was that like? I mean, when you were writing the book, did you, like, let them know, hey, y'all, I'm going to be sharing some stories <laughs> or I'm going to be talking about this and everyone's going to yeah. know? I mean, what was that like for you and your family? Yeah, you know, I would say I come from a pretty radical family. Um, <laughs> you know, at first I would be like, oh, I come from a liberal family. But I'm like, no, my family was pretty radical. Um, you know, I had a grandmother who was extremely radical in all ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even like her, the way she supported queer folks and trans folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, she used to be a nurse, so she used to mm-hmm. work with... Um, HIV patients and you know when during a time where it was like really fearful you know and people mm-hmm. were didn't you know only certain nurses would work with a person who yeah. was HIV and she she was one of those type of people so like when you come from a, a person that radical like yeah. you know um you know it's, it's it's not hard and so there were certain chapters in the book that I was like uh I'm going to have to tell them <laughs> like I'm going to have to tell them ahead of time um and I did, you know. Mm-hmm. I just sat there uh, with them. It was after actually my cousin's birthday party, my cousin uh, Little Raw, mm-hmm. and uh, we got back to the house and we were all just sitting there. And I was like, "All right, y'all, let me just because you know, of course, they're like, well, what's going on in this book?'" I'm like, "All right, yeah. the book mainly is about me, mm-hmm. you know, but there are certain sections that are going to be a little bit hard for y'all." And I just told them like mm-hmm. what happened and everything, and they all just were like, "Okay," like yeah. it was literally just like, "Okay," and I remember. At um, Baby G, that's my uh, nephew, um, when they were doing the uh, baby shower or the gender reveal. I don't know what it was. But it, wasn't, <laughs> it was one or the other. Um, and uh, my Aunt Sarah, she just came up to me and she just was like, listen, like this is your book. Mm-hmm. Write it. We're going to be fine as a family regardless of what you write and how you feel about certain people. And I was like, okay. And I think, though, when I ended up writing it from, like, this very amazingly loving way, um, you know, my family was just like, wow. Like, you you did the thing. And then even they were like, even the family members you may have had conflict with, you still wrote about it in a way that didn't shame them. Because I didn't want to villainize anybody. That was my biggest thing was, like, I don't want to make people villains. I just want to make people humans. Yeah. And... You know, it's easy to villainize, but it's mm-hmm. harder to to be like, listen, this person harmed me, but I also understand mm-hmm. the harm they were going through as well. And so I have to have empathy for the harm that you were going through. And this mm-hmm. is me because everybody doesn't have to have empathy for an abuser or, mm-hmm. you know, a mm-hmm. oppressor. Um, but when it comes to my family, it's like I have empathy for what you were going through yeah. as well and how you projected that 
anger onto me wasn't correct or wasn't right, but I also understand that you were in a space or predicament yourself and didn't have an outlet, you know, for, for the rage or the anger. And yeah. So I just talked to him, you know, and yeah, it all works out. Well. You know, and, and I definitely got that from the book. I mean, when I was reading it, it did feel very beautiful. It, it was, it, I felt like it normalized, right, the fact that we have lives, right, and family history, and there's so much that goes into it. I mean, from intergenerational trauma to our experiences with one another. Uh, so I, I, I think you did a wonderful job. I mean, I definitely felt like it, it was a, uh, a lot of our normalizing. And, and that's something that's really refreshing because I think most of us are often told not to talk about yes. certain things or not to be so open about certain topics. Uh, and you did share that, you know, when you talked to them, you mentioned the book was primarily about you. And so I'm also uh, wondering because that that's a whole other side, right? That, I mean, obviously writing about family and some of the family stuff um, is going to be a, a, a surprise right to some of them or even just having that conversation yeah. uh, but you also shared a lot of very personal stuff about yeah. yourself um i mean did anyone have a reaction or or i mean was there any type of dialogue or some maybe uh some aftermath to to sharing more stuff about yourself or i mean or or has it been kind of like more of a uh you were an open book with them so they knew all this stuff or what what was that like yeah i mean they didn't know everything you know they definitely didn't know about the um some of the sexual abuse I had went through, you know, that, that that was just something they didn't know. Um, and I, I think like I was most fearful of my dad reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just was adamant that he wanted to read it. And I, like, my mom was like, listen, your father really, really wants to read the book. And, mm-hmm. you know, like he's, he's just like, he just keeps bringing it up. Like, why won't Matt let me read the book? Why won't Matt let me read the book? Uh, this was before it officially like fully came out and I just had like the advanced copies of it. And I was like, um, okay, like I will, I will let him read the book. Um, and he, you know, he read it and he sent me a text message that was really beautiful. Like, like we have an author in the family now. Mm -hmm. Like this was such a, he was like, you did such a good job of writing this. Even the chapter about me, like the way you wrote it was just, just so great. Um, and so that helped me kind of like relinquish a lot of like that fear and that doubt, like about like how are they gonna feel about me writing this? Um, and then you know, like you know, my aunt Sarah, she also read it and she called me one day and she was like, she was like, just let like, did we miss something? Like with certain parts, she was like, I just feel so bad, and she started crying. She was like, because I feel like like oh my god, like did we miss this? Like how do we miss this? Like we yeah. just didn't know you were going through these things. And I was like, I don't think y'all missed anything. I was just like, it's just that that circle of mm-hmm. that's just how life works sometimes it's like i was a very different kid i was super smart like you know i had the good grades and i had the high gpa and all those things so i was like there was nothing really to catch yeah because it was just like well we know this one's okay right like cause this yeah. one's got the good grades this one's going yeah. to college this was doing all those things so it's like there really wasn't much to catch mm-hmm. but i was like it just meant that things were happening you know yeah. Um, and I sometimes. think some folks have that misconception too, right? Where they yeah. think that everything is visible, and sometimes it's not. And you know, that's a, a really beautiful. Um, I mean, just thing that you yeah. shared. Thank you. I'm like a little emotional, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think um, it, it's so important for folks to hear this because a lot of times I think we go on internalizing a lot of shame and guilt around these kinds of things, and um, even for folks outside, right, extended family members, people who who bring up things like this, right? Like, what did we not see? What did we not catch? And sometimes it's not, it, it doesn't work that way, right? It, it can be, um, what's the word? It could be um, 
yeah, just very complicated. And so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that, you know, you were able to uh, share this with your family and that they were able to read it and that you got this feedback. And I'm imagining that was probably fuel, right, to keep going, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure. And, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned uh, also uh, how when you were talking to your family that some of them... Um, you know, did have uh, some responses and all of that. Mm -hmm. Any anybody else uh, that you included, like uh, friends or or partners or anything like that, where you kind of had to figure out how to share around, like you know, this book being out or or, or just the things that you put in the book. Yeah, I think like um, the only other instance. Well, yeah, the only other instance was um, my friend Zamis, mm -hmm. um, who in the book I called Zay. Uh, when I basically talked about having my first crush mm -hmm. in high school um, with a boy who I wish I could have went to prom with. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny because I told him, like, we remained friends throughout the years, and I had told him, I was like, hey, um, I'm writing about you. I'm writing a book, and mm -hmm. there's a chapter about you. And he thought I was he thought I was lying. He was like, "Okay, George, like whatever. Like, like you always, like you always playing on my time." And I was like, "No, like I'm really writing a chapter about you." And like he's like, "Whatever, like just go write your book." And I'm like, "Okay." So when I got the proofs back, uh -huh. I was like, "All right, like I'm gonna send you the chapter I wrote because we just want to make sure that you're okay with it." And he was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "All right," as so I sent it to him, and. He read it and he was just like, he called me. He was just like, oh my God, like I had no idea. And he was like, this is so beautiful. Like, mm -hmm. and so um, that was really like, I guess like the, 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 the best reaction was like when Zay found mm -hmm. out that um, he had a chapter about him mm -hmm. in the book. Um, yeah. And then the book, you know, cause I'm from a small city. And so of course, like my mom and them all in the city. So like people in the city are finding out like, oh, there's this author that wrote a book about like mm -hmm. growing up in Plainfield. And so um, this, uh, a woman called Zay's mom and mm -hmm. was like, hey, I'm re like, I guess like her friend or her, her sister or whatever. She was like, hey, like I'm reading this book. It was this author of Plainfield that went to Bishop R. And they're talking about this boy that they went to high school with named Zay. And she was like, I think it's, she was like, I think it's your son. <laughs> And so she called him and was like, hey, like, is there a book, like, a, with a chapter in it about? And so he just bust out laughing and told her, like, yeah, mom, like, that's my friend George. And, like, yeah, we went to high school together. And she was like, oh, my God, that's so, yeah. she was like, so-and-so called me and was like, yeah. I think your son is in this book. So that was, like, one of those funny full circle yeah. moments. Because he was literally, he was like, I didn't tell her. And he was like, it still got back to her. He was like, I specifically was like, I'm not going to yeah. tell my mom that I'm in this book. Yeah. And he was like, she called me that day. And I just was like, oh, my God. Oh like, my now she's going to read it and want to know what's <laughs> going on about my life and all these things. So, yeah. And I was imagining something like that, right? What happened, especially when you're uh, becoming a public figure and right. you're sharing more and more of yourself and, like, right. you know, the scandal of it all, right? And right. I, I'm sorry. I was, like, laughing because I kept thinking, like, how this is such a white people thing sometimes when you like, hear about like you know like the gossip in the little yes. town. But I love to hear it though coming yeah. from the from you know folks of color too. Like hey, we got stories. There's stuff going on. You know, right. people are reading. People are supporting. People are like, oh shit, like what? You right, know, reading right. something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm wondering in in terms of any um, future 
projects or anything you can share? I mean, is there anything you can uh, yeah. give us around what you're working <laughs> on right now? Or Yeah, I mean, right now, the writers are striking and the Screen Actors Guild yeah. are striking. So we support... We support the strikes, okay? Of we are course. fighting for equal pay. Mm-hmm. Not even just equal pay, just adequate pay. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, like, adequate pay um, to create, to continue to create the way that we want to create and create the things that you all love to watch and see. Um, I am working, though, uh, my third book, Flamboyance, uh, which is uh, stories about the Harlem Renaissance, will be out next year, uh, October 29th of 2024. So I'm excited about that because I turned in my final draft the other day. So, oh, wow. so we are moving, right? We will have a book cover release coming up soon. Um, the book cover is amazing. I think everybody's going to be exci- excited to see it. Um, so Flamboyance is coming out. Um, my fourth book, Five Second Violation, which will be my first fiction book for middle graders, um, will be coming out in 2020. Wait, is it 2024? No, 2025. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then there's always next year a book I'm co-writing with Leah Johnson, the amazing Leah Johnson, um, which is a black queer young adult rom rom com romantic okay. comedy. Um, we need those. I love those. Yes. I'm a, such a rom com yes. person, and now that I'm seeing more folks of color, more queer folks, and yes. more stories around us, I'm like, yeah. Yes, and people are <laughs> extremely excited about that one. Um, that comes out uh, in 2025 as well. Then on the television and film side, um, I'm still working with Gabrielle Union to develop my uh, book, All Boys Aren't Blue, into a television series uh, or movie. We're open. Yeah. Um, I was about to ask you that. Oh right, my God, you a TV me. show or movie. Um, and we have a really, really big meeting coming up with a very, very influential person uh, who could, who, who we know will be able to push us to the next place. I won't say their name, but um, yes. But you know, they have an Oscar, they have Emmys, their their characters have won Emmys, and this is somebody who we know is going to be able to take this to the next level. Um, so yeah, the TV and film stuff is starting to pick up too. That is so freaking wonderful, and I'm so excited for you. And I, I just like ah, like I'm having a moment because I'm sitting here with you right now. You know, <laughs> this is my first podcast I've started, and I'm just like ah, like fangirling. But anyway, uh, I'm excited for Flamboya. And what was the, I guess, the inspiration behind the title? Because I'm loving like the titles that you're coming <laughs> yeah. up with and the names, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, because they're not like coy. <laughs> they're like <laughs> they're out there, right? Um, flamboyance. Um, I was looking for something like, like, again, cause I named all boys aren't blue. I named we are not broken. And so I was like, with this one, I was like, okay, a book about the Harlem Renaissance. Like, what am I trying to say? Like, what, am, what do I want to convey? And so I was like thinking, 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 thinking. And then I was like, okay, well, I was like flamboyant, like flamboyantly, you know, something around that and then i was like well maybe what if i called them flamboyance mm. like and just like change the word into like a noun right like and because that's what i'm calling them i'm like they're the flamboyance like mm-hmm. in a sense right like mm-hmm. they're these people who were like over the top these bright lights these shining stars these queer powerful people mm-hmm. um who were lighting up the world um and I called them like almost like I guess you would call like Marvel like the Avengers. <laughs> so it's like I call I call these people from the Harlem Renaissance the Flamboyants. I love and that. So um, that's kind of where I came up with it. I was like I want them to be known as like mm-hmm. the Flamboyants. And then you know I'm always thinking 
from a brain too of like how do I turn this work into more work? And so I was like, with that particular title, it, it reads well for television and film. It reads well in other arenas. It's like, okay. And, and it's very bold from the beginning. It's like flamboyance. And like I think people will see it and be like, oh, I kind of know what I'm about to enter already. You know? And I want to know. I want to yeah. know what was the tea with... County Cullen and yeah. you're you know, prepping them. You're like, these get people, ready, right? It's like get ready because like, and if you see the co- like, once you see the cover, it's like, oh, like okay, got it. Like this is yeah. we're about to enter this world. So yeah, yeah. and I, I love that because I know I grew up uh, when flamboyant was used as a slur or yes. even like very negatively and I've been called that many times I was and too yeah and now it just feels so good like hearing you share about it and talk about it I'm, I'm getting more of like creative like colorful colorful powerful that's, and that's what I really wanted like it's it's they're colorful yeah. and I think um because of the Langston Hughes essay spectacles in color mm-hmm. that was because that was originally what Originally, what I was going to name the book was something around that, okay. like Spectacles in Color, because mm. that was his essay that basically talked about ballroom yeah, yeah. in, like, 1929 when he went to a ball. Um, but, you know, it was, like, you know, copyright issues. Like It's like, yeah. well, can yeah. we really use that? I don't know. Like, we had to ask yeah. the Hughes family, potentially, blah, blah, blah. But originally, it was, like, Spectacles in Color was, like, kind of where my first mind frame was. And then I was like, well, if I can't do that, what am I trying to say? And then Flamboyant. I was like, well, that's yeah. that's it. That's colorful. It's that says it, exactly it all. It, it says, says it, all. it all. I love that. Well, I'm so excited and looking forward to reading it. Uh, and I'm excited for every other project you just mentioned and everything that you're working on. Is there a way that uh, folks can find you, connect with you? I mean, any social media, websites, yeah. or anything you want to <laughs> let folks know about right now as we're ending today? Yes, I am everywhere. I'm on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of everywhere because I ain't got all <laughs> They're going right. to be on TikTok, TikTok more. <laughs> right. I will be on TikTok more because people do love when I go on there. I just be afraid because I feel like you got to be so polished to be on TikTok. Like, oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. That's and, why I'm not on TikTok as yeah, much because I'm like, okay, this is a I'm lot. I'm not doing my makeup. I'm not doing my hair. I'm not doing my... And, and but my friend is like, stop worrying about that. Just throw a do rag on and put the camera in your face and talk. These people just want to hear you talk. I was like, all right. Yes. But I am on TikTok at I am GM Johnson. Instagram, I am GM Johnson. Twitter, I am GM Johnson. Uh, Facebook, George M. Johnson Garcon. Because um, I am in the house of Garcon. <laughs> um, and what else do I have? Oh, I'm on Threads. I like Threads. Threads is cute. Um, I am Jim Johnson on Threads. Um, you kept it simple for everyone. Right. It's, it's all the same, about. right? My website is, uh, I think it's imgofjohnson.com. Um, yeah. So, like, I just, I just keep it. I learned a long time ago from a publicist. Keep, keep your names the same on everything so people can find you. Because um, I have friends who have like different names on different mm-hmm. sites, and I'll be like, "Girl, I cannot find you. Like, what yes. is your what the hell is your damn thing? Because I can't find you." But keep your name the same on all, and you'll be fine. Y'all already, I am Jim Johnson. Y'all already got some gold <laughs> with that first tip right there. Keeping your same across the board right. makes it easier for people to find it you. Makes it so um, much easier. And, and don't worry, y'all. I'm gonna be adding these to the description, like always, so you don't have to keep going back and trying to figure out uh, the name or the or spelling or anything like that. But. Uh, I want to thank you again so much for being on here and just really appreciate you being so open and vulnerable and sharing about the book. Um, You know, as I mentioned, I'm definitely a big fan and it's meant a lot to me. So I appreciate you uh, just having this conversation with me. And I hope that folks out there who are listening, um, you know, if you haven't read the book, I mean, if you've been thinking about it, it's been on your list. 
you know, get it. Um, wh- where are some places that you recommend folks can get the book right now? Just, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure there's digital yeah. and also hard. Yeah. You know, the book is everywhere. It's in multiple languages as well. But we always say um, support independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. Independent bookstores are the heartbeat of publishing. Um if you can't support an independent bookstore, you can always get it from Amazon <laughs> <laughs> or Barnes and Noble. Cause we do love yeah. Barnes and Nobles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Books a million, like mm-hmm. you know, we love those places. But independent bookstores are literally mm-hmm. the heartbeat of publishing. Mm-hmm. They, you know, when when certain books don't get mainstream love, they mm-hmm. get independent bookstore love yes. in a way, and they keep it relevant and they keep it out mm-hmm. there in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, if you have a local independent bookstore in your mm-hmm. area. Um, just Google or, mm-hmm. you know, just order it through them um, because it helps. It helps immensely. Absolutely. And that's actually I got my copy at a, a small bookstore in San Francisco when I was up there. So there are quite a few around the Bay Area, but also L.A. Yeah. So make sure that's, uh, you know, your first stop. Uh, I feel like Powell's. Is Powell's in San Francisco? I think so. Yes, I think Powell's is, which is one of the oldest independent bookstores in the country. Is that um, in the Castro? Is that? Yes, it's like, that... I think, yes, it's near the Castro. Yes. So uh, Powell's is like one of those bookstores. It's the oldest mm. independent owned bookstore in the country. And like, okay. still like one of my biggest support, have, have been one of my biggest supporters. So yes, independent okay. bookstores matter. I'm over here thinking, like, now that you mentioned it, maybe that was where I got it. But anyway, the point <laughs> is, go look for independent bookstores, support the book. Uh, and uh, thank you all again for joining. And until next time.